good to see you again this evening. It's been a good day and a, and a good week. Um, as was mentioned this morning, our daughter Anne-Marie was baptized Wednesday night, and uh, that, that makes everyone in our family for our family, and it's, it's a great thing, and we're, we're very happy about that. I, I couldn't help but think back to when our first daughter was baptized. We uh, came back up to the building one night. Uh, it was just weighing on her mind, and uh, kind of like Anne-Marie, and uh, so we came back up to the building, and and baptized her and her brother, Michael, who was probably six years old at the time. After I baptized uh, Kelly, he, he was standing up there looking down. He said, hey, Dad, while you're down there, you might as well just do me. <laughs> and uh, we didn't, but uh, he, was, he was ready to go at six, I guess. But uh, it, it's good, and, and uh, you know, it's... It's uh, one of those things you look forward to and you, you pray about and you plan for, and uh, we're, we're thankful for uh, that decision. Tonight, let's open our Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. I hope you have one with you. We'll uh, turn there, and I, I want to make a connection that I think, well, maybe it's more of a Bible study uh, than a sermon tonight, but I want you to see a connection that I think is, is very important. Because if we're not careful, we can destroy ourselves without even realizing it. As you look at uh, the title slide or the slide behind my head, you see that series of dominoes. One thing leads to another. We understand the concept. When you knock one over, it affects another and another and another. And if you have a big long line of those lined up, it'll just keep right on going until they all get knocked down. There are some things about sin that affect our life and our faith, maybe more than what we realize. You see, we can't sin in such a way that just one block falls over and none others are affected. And here's what I think sometimes happens, in, maybe in our youth and as we even get older, but uh, I think we have this mindset that goes something like that. Well, I know I've talked to people that have, have expressed something along this line. I'm not ready to buckle down and be a Christian like I should right now. I'm going to do some things. I want to have a little fun. But then when I get done with that, I do intend to get my life right. It's just that they're not ready to let go of the sin at that particular moment. But they intend to, and they, intend, they want to go to heaven. They, they want to do the right thing, but not right now. I, I want to do some other things more then obey God at the moment. But I will eventually come back around and, and do what I should do. I've seen people leave the church, become disobedient, who were once faithful members of God's kingdom, and they became unfaithful because they had some pet sin in which they were engaged and they chose to pursue it a little longer before they gave that up. And, and I think again... They intend to come back, but for the moment, they would rather do something a little bit different. Well, I want you to see today that moral sins often shipwreck your faith. You cannot sin and have it not affect the faith that you have. And here's what I'm getting to. There are many people who will say, you know, I'm going to sin for a while and then I'm going to get my life 
right later. When you pursue that path, oftentimes you don't have a faith to come back to. Many people that are, are skeptics of the Bible and of the existence of God, they're skeptics because really it's a moral issue more than it is a faith issue. They're skeptics because their morals uh, take them in a different direction and to conclude that God is, then that condemns themselves and they don't want to condemn themselves. What I'm suggesting tonight, and I want to show you from Jeremiah chapter 6, that when we choose to sin, we can very easily destroy our faith and not have any faith to come back to when we decide or if we ever decided to to get things straightened up. Let's see if that's not borne out in in this book. First of all, if you'll look at Jeremiah chapter 5, and I've I left off the five on your outline on that first point. But Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 26 through 28. The text reads, For among my people are found wicked men. Now get that. They're wicked men. See, there's immorality. Okay? The people were sinful. There are found wicked men. They lie in... And here's what makes them wicked. They lie in weights. As one who sets snares, they set a trap, they catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat. They're sleek. Yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper. And the right of the needy, they do not defend. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this. Here's the existence of sin. Now, you know, the sin isn't so great, I guess, in the eyes of a lot of people. Because after all, what are they doing? I mean, they're not helping the poor as they should. They're they're not as considerate toward the fatherless, the orphans, as maybe they should be. And But I want you to understand this. That matters to God. Such things as justice, such things as compassion and mercy, those are at the top of God's list. Now, are there things that God prioritizes? Yes, there are. Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and and He was condemning them, He said, you you know, you guys spend all this time, you tithe all these little seeds and and make sure you give a tenth. Because the law says to do that. But he said, and not that you shouldn't, but you leave undone the weightier matters of the law, such as justice and mercy and faith. He says, you can't leave those undone. When we think, and we talked about this not too many weeks ago, but when we think of the city of Sodom, we think of homosexual behavior. And they were destroyed because of their, their extreme immorality and the abomination in which they were engaged, the, the homosexual behavior. But that's just, that's a part of it. When you turn to Ezekiel chapter 16, Ezekiel says, let me tell you why you're going to be destroyed just like your, and he calls them your sister Sodom. And he goes on and explains it. Because you won't help the fatherless. Because you're wealthy and taken care of and you have no 
no concern about those about you who aren't so well off. It, it was injustice in life that got God's attention. Now, he does mention abomination in there. That was one of the reasons, but it wasn't the only one. He lists about three or four before that final one. We can be guilty of sin, of neglecting some of those weightier matters of the law, like justice, compassion toward the poor, the fatherless, the widows. Those are things that God finds important. God loves all men and we're to, we're to reflect Him in all that we do. And so we, we have to have a heart of compassion and be merciful to people. But these people weren't. And so God says they're wicked. Alright? Now, here are wicked people. They're living immoral lives. What happens when you choose to practice immorality? What follows from that? Well, when you practice immorality, you don't love the truth. Look at what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them and they have no delight in it. When I decide to just rebel against God and do things that are wicked in His sight, well, then that leads to me not loving the truth. Because truth condemns me. I, I don't want to accept something that's going to tell me that I'm doing the wrong thing all the time. And so, if, if I'm living a sinful life, I'm not going to love the truth. And uh, <clears throat> we see that borne out here. Jeremiah said, these people don't love the truth. They have no delight in it because it condemns them. They've already set a course. I, I want to choose this wicked way. And because of that, I, I can't love the truth because it calls my hand. You know, the Bible warns us in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10-12, about some who did not love the truth. And so God eventually just sends a strong delusion allowing them to believe a lie. And again, the reason is because they, they don't love the truth. When you persist in sin and, and you will not turn from your wickedness, you're going to learn to hate the truth because, because it calls you out. Well, alright, so when I sin then I don't love the truth. And what happens when I don't love the truth? Well, the next thing that happens is I open myself up to error. If I don't love the truth, then what's going to be my standard? What am I going to believe in? If it's not the truth, then I guess I'm going to embrace error. And that's exactly what happens. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, look at what it says. They have also healed the hurt of my people. He's talking about the priests. And he says, well, they've, they've hurt, helped or healed slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. These people were at enmity with God. They were, God was opposed to them. And yet the priests were preaching a message that said, everything's good. You're all right. 
Don't, don't let somebody, that prophet Jeremiah, don't listen to him. You're good with God. You're His people. Don't worry about it. If you don't love the truth, then you're going to open yourselves up to error. Turn back to Jeremiah chapter 5 and look at the very end of that chapter, verse 30, beginning. An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. What is it that has astonished Jeremiah? The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests, well, they rule by their own power. And the worst part of it is, and my people love to have it so. You always have false prophets. They're, they're a dime a dozen. And you'll always have guys that get on a power trip and think uh, of themselves ahead of everybody else. That's always been the case. And it was the case there. But instead of seeing that and, and rebelling against that, the people were okay with it. They loved to have it so. Why? Because they were being told by these false prophets, you're all right doing just the way you do. Don't feel like you have to go out there and help that, that orphan. Don't feel like you have any obligation to that widow lady. Don't feel like you have to, to, to tend to the needs of those who are, are lesser to do than you are. You don't have to be merciful. They probably got themselves in that situation on their own, uh, by their own bad choices. You're, you're fine. Well, but they weren't. But here's the progression. I choose to sin. My sin causes me not to love the truth because it calls me out. And when I choose not to love the truth, then that leads to another thing. I open myself up to error. And I embrace error rather than the truth. And then what happens when I do that? When I decide to follow error instead of truth, then I sear my conscience. The Bible tells us, again, in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 15, were they astonished when they, or ashamed when they had committed abominations? No. They were not at all ashamed. Nor did they know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall at the time uh, I punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. Jeremiah says, here these people are, they're, they're living in sin. They're, they're doing exactly opposite of what God says. Are they embarrassed? Are they ashamed? No. Why would they be ashamed? They, they, their heart is hardened. Their, their conscience has been seared. Well, they don't even know how to blush anymore. They're not embarrassed. Have you not seen our society get to the point where, where the things that are said are, are astonishing? between mixed company, um, things that would have embarrassed you are not embarrassed. Don't you hate to watch commercials nowadays? Some of the things that are on commercials, you have to turn the TV off or turn it down because of the things that they... No one is ashamed of anything anymore. They don't blush. That's what happens when you decide to sin and then you'll no longer love truth. And then you'll open yourself to error. And when you open yourself to error, you harden yourself and you're not touched. Well, then what happens? Well, 
when you go through that process and when you harden your heart, sear your conscience, then you destroy yourself. Look at what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, what Siva read just a little bit ago. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. He tells them, here's what you guys need to do. You, you need to go back and get, start doing those things that God said you need to be doing. But they said, get this, they said, we will not walk in it. No, we don't want to. Jeremiah is telling them how to live and how to have a successful life. To find God's pleasure. And they say, no, we will not walk therein. And he said, I set a watchman over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. There's a warning sound being given to them. He says, listen to it. And they say, we're not going to listen. We're not going to do it. So, these people in the days of Jeremiah... They're the children of God. They're God's people. Do you think they want to go to heaven when they die? Sure they do. They don't want to be lost. I'm sure they want to go to heaven. But they're not. Not the way they're living. They're setting themselves up for condemnation. Because why? They chose wickedness. And that wickedness caused them not to love the truth. And when you don't love the truth, you open yourself up to error. And when you open yourself up to error, you harden your heart. And when you harden your heart, you destroy yourself. What else can be done for you if you cannot be touched by the truth? Where, how do you get a person to repent and to regret the decisions that they make if, if their conscience is seared? Here's what I'm trying to say. Your faith and your morals... They go hand in hand. And either your morals will rise to the level of your faith or your faith will be lowered to the level of your morals. But you're not, you'll not have this high and noble faith in God and live way down here. That, that won't happen. They're inconsistent, incompatible. And so you're going to have to level those out some way. And so the question is, how are you going to level that out? Are you going to lower your faith or are you going to raise the level of your morals? You see, when we choose to sin, when we have a little fling with sin, the danger we risk when we do that is while I may, when I begin to sin, say, I'm going to come back. I'm going to make things right. I intend to do better you may not have a faith to come back to because the morals may destroy the faith because your faith gets lowered to the level of your morals. So sin is nothing to play with. It can destroy us. Don't think that you can sin with impunity today and then ten years down the road you can just come back and pick up right where you left off. Very seldom does that happen. Because for most people, they don't have a faith to come back to because it's been destroyed from the hardness of their hearts. If there are things that are not right in your life, 
stop dabbling with them. Get your life right. Turn away from them. Listen to the warning of Jeremiah. And listen to his instruction as he says, Listen, folks, it is not all peace, peace. You have set yourself at odds against God. Do you understand that that will bring judgment upon you? If you find yourself in that situation, turn from that and walk in the old paths wherein is the good way. And you'll find rest for your souls. What will your answer be to that appeal tonight? Are there things in your life that are not what they ought to be? Have you dabbled in sin with the full intention of someday getting that all straightened up and and coming back and being faithful and so forth? You may not have a faith to come back to. I just want you to understand that. Faith and morals, it's like that domino effect. As As you allow or give in to an immoral lifestyle, it will affect the faith that you have in God. Don't destroy your faith because of bad moral decisions. If you've made some, get it right. Come back to God. Say, I have, I have made a mistake. I have sinned and I, I want to do right. I don't want to destroy my faith. And God will forgive you and will be here to help you as you once again begin this walk with God. If you're not yet a child of God and need to obey the gospel, that same warning is for you. How many times will you hear the invitation given to you to obey Jesus. How many times can you say no until your heart is hardened and your conscience is seared? If you know what's right, obey it. That's the only safe course to take. Otherwise, we set in process a a series of events that ultimately lead us farther and farther from God. If you need to respond, we invite you to come to the front as we stand together and sing.